You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. Oh, my coffee was cold. I just took a big swig of my coffee and it was cold. Water. I thought you were excited to do the show. <laughs> uh, a little I more didn't know awake. you were so excited to do the show today. I'm a little more awake now, uh, but not... You all right? Oh, man. You ever take a swig of cold coffee? It's just not... It's not iced coffee. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm coffee that I thought was hot and it ended up mm. being cold. And now I'm just full of regret and cold coffee. Yeah, that's just gross. I've actually... By the way, I've actually started drinking coffee. Although I've started drinking iced coffee. So I experimented right when I went to the morning show, tried a couple of times drinking. It, it just didn't work for me. I didn't want to make coffee. I don't want to take the time to make hot coffee in the morning. And so I just went really the last two years without really drinking coffee. But I needed a lifestyle change. I was like, look, man, I need to be a little bit more alert in the morning. So now what I'm doing is I'm buying these Starbucks, like three serving cups, if you will, these kind of like half jugs. And uh, the iced coffee, it tastes good, man. And so you get like a little caramel in there, like the vanilla latte stuff. Very, very much of a pansy when it comes to drinking coffee. But that's what I'm dabbling in right now. Coffee takes like 10 minutes to make hot. So I'd say the big life change that you need to make is to carve out a little more time in your schedule that you can afford. In the afford. morning? Yeah, no, 10 minutes in the happen. morning, just get a little hot coffee. And number two, you went straight from no coffee to iced coffee. Iced coffee has a lot more caffeine content. I mean, you just went... You skipped you skipped the gateway drugs and just went straight to the hard stuff, right to the cocaine. See, that's weird because I've had more of, I feel like hot coffee has had more of an effect on me because when we have sponsors that have You're wrong. dropped coffee by at the show, I mean, man, maybe it's the power of suggestion, but the hot coffee had me wired, man. I was doing it on the show. They they would bring a couple what? They would bring maybe, I don't know. It was two or three times that there was a sponsor that, you know, radio things, hey, talk to talk about us on air and we're going to bring you our product to try and we said sure and they would bring it by in the morning and i had some hot coffee which i don't drink hot coffee like i just said and it had me wired like i had a head buzz we had an episode about this i came in one time and it was it was just weird and the cold coffee or the iced coffee if you will that does not have the same effect on me for some reason you're saying it's more caffeinated yeah, normally iced coffee is more concentrated than hot coffee. Anyway, you went to ACC Media Day today, right? I did go to ACC Media Day. <laughs> How was that? Was, was it what, uh, now compare ACC Media Day to right. Charlotte Hornets Media Day. Oh man, Charlotte Hornets Media Day. It's it's actually a lot more chaotic at I mean, chaotic's not the word, but it's much more of an event with ACC Media Day in college basketball and in college football. College football, a little bit more chaotic than what basketball is. College football, it's a two-day thing. They do, they do both divisions, right? So they do the Atlantic Division one day. They do the Coastal Division the other day. In a basketball ACC media day, it's an all-day thing where basically starts, I don't know, about 10 a.m., something like that. And it goes out. I mean, it's still going on right now, I believe, until you get all of the coaches and they bring a couple of players, Radio Row, car wash, right? We've talked about what a car wash is, where a guy will just go down Radio Row and do an interview about 10 minutes each. And so that's much more of an event. Hornets Media Day, you just sit in the press conference room and have different players come to you up at the podium and uh, maybe get a little sandwich at the end of that. And that's about it. I was going to say, compare, what, yeah. what's the spread like? Who has the better <laughs> oh, food spread? Man. ACC Media Day, ACC Basketball Media Day, or Charlotte Hornets Media Day? No, that's a good question. Uh, well, 
So if I were to do a food chain, if I were to rank the best food at all of the ACC media days, football and basketball and Hornets, Hornets certainly is last. Look, I apologize, but what they do is they just cater from like a McAllister's Deli and call uh, yeah, it a day. You have nothing to apologize for. But what we do here at basketball, at the ACC basketball media day, mm -hmm. is they had Brunswick stew. Oh, yeah. Also, oh, yeah, Brunswick stew. They also had brisket. And I don't know what kind of sauce. It was like a tangy barbecue sauce, what? but they called it something different. It was really good. They also had um, a different type of chicken that I, don't, I didn't pay attention to the sauces, apparently. Mac and cheese. They had a Southwest salad. It was all really oh, good stuff. Yeah. At ACC football media day, uh -huh. they had salmon. They had oh. different types of barbecue chicken. <laughs> of course they did. They had a lot of stuff, <laughs> man. It was really good. It's going to be great until they have to pay the players, and then all, and then you're going to get McAllister. See, that's a, that's the difference, right? They have to pay the players in the NBA, so there's less money to go around for the media, and you know that's that's just give and take. The Hornets just throw bags of chips at you and say, here, grab it on your way out and go. Oh, we got a payroll, buddy. <laughs> this is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH, and the show handle at Locked On Hornets. We've got a season preview to get to. Doug, do we have enough time to do that right now, or should we wait and actually do that in the second segment? Do you want to do it now? Let's do it now. Okay. Oh my God. I'm excited. You were excited as well at the beginning of this. So we have about eight different categories to get to. We're going to alternate. I'm going to talk about one topic of discussion heading into the season. Doug will take the next one. And this will actually air on the Locked On NBA show, I believe, later on down the line. Every team is going to do a preview just like we're doing, and it's going to air later on. So that's correct. This is a here. yeah, this is a season preview blitz. So we've got about 30 mm -hmm. seconds on each of these topics. You're going to get everything you need to know about this season right now in your face. Let's go. All right, number one topic, two or three biggest storylines to get into during the season. Uh, I think the first one I immediately think of is what is life post Kemba? That's one A and one B is basically what is life during the Terry era? Scary Terry being the new point guard here after Kemba Walker was the best player in Charlotte Hornets franchise history. It was a situation that Kemba wanted to be here. Then Mitch Kupchak said to Rick Bennell in the Charlotte Observer, that Kimba getting all NBA kind of threw them off guard. And so he goes to the Boston Celtics. Terry Rozier is going to take over in a sign and trade. And Terry Rozier, a different type of player. Can he bring his game to another level? The second storyline real quickly, how much do the young guys improve this season? You need to see Miles Bridges take a step up. You want to see P.J. Washington get real time and do a good job in his rookie year. All of the young guys. There's going to be plenty of youth out there on the basketball court. How does that all gel? How do they all improve? So what needs to happen for the best case scenario for this basketball team? And that's always an interesting question, right? When you have a team that doesn't want to admit they're rebuilding, but is actually rebuilding. Like what is they're a transitioning, best... Doug? That's right. They're transitioning. What does a best case scenario look like? For me, I think it looks like a team that has young players that are developing, but they still have odds at adding a, a nice player in the draft. So like for me, best case scenario for this team is not making the playoffs, but also not being the absolute worst team in the NBA. Because to me, that means that there has been some serious development issues or some serious 
coaching issues that have happened and, and things are not translating during the transition. So what has to happen for best case scenario? I think you've got to see big improvements uh, from Miles Bridges, Dwayne Bacon, P.J. Washington get significant minutes at some point later on in the season. And uh, Coach J.B. is trying to instill a new defensive mindset. You want to see that happen as well if we're talking best case scenario. You go best case, I go worst case. I think that the worst case scenario means that, let's say, a Terry Rozier continues to shoot at the under 40% clip that he shot with the Boston Celtics and does not grow into a player that's even close to being worth $18 million because he's on contract for three more years. It means that Miles Bridges kind of has going with the Boston Celtics example, maybe a sophomore year that Jason Tatum had where a lot of people didn't see him take all that big of a jump. Maybe Miles Bridges goes through the same thing of a sophomore slump. Look, development is not linear. Does it mean that you're on an escalator that constantly goes up? But it certainly wouldn't be a good sign for this young team. Same thing with a Dwayne Bacon. Maybe he's inefficient. Maybe that was a mirage, what we saw at the end of last season. Maybe Malik Monk is someone that never steps up. It's basically all of these guys continue their bad habits from what we've seen the last couple of seasons or the or last year and that would be the worst case scenario doesn't matter about how many games they lose it's all about if they can develop sneaky worst case scenario miles bridges goes up for a dunk and never comes back to the ground will this team be stylistically different on either the offensive side or defensive side and how uh, yes, defensively, they are going to simplify things. Uh, Coach James Borrego talked about this on Media Day, that they tried to stop teams from shooting three-pointers and protect the paint, and things got a little too complicated for some of the young players. They're going to simplify things, and the focus really is on locking down the paint. A few numbers for you. Last season, 23rd in defensive rating, 16th in points in the paint allowed, and 22nd in three-pointers allowed. You know, Kimball Walker had a, a an all-NBA season, and they still didn't make the play offs defense a big part of that they're going to try to improve some of those numbers this season rapid fire keep on going player most likely to be thought of differently at the end of the season I think nationally it's Dwayne Bacon the most national love I ever saw from Dwayne Bacon was Zach Lowe mentioning him in a 10 things I like and don't like article where Dwayne Bacon was featured in the positives at the end of that season we saw the kind of growth that he had and Dwayne Bacon got a little bit of love in that article but I still don't think he's recognized nationally as someone that should be on any kind of radar as far as the young players I think he actually gets some love at the end of the season the Raider locally I think I, I think locally Malik Monk or PJ Washington is the answer. Malik Monk might be on a national scale as well, where I think people believe in Malik. And then if he does it again this year, people are like, okay, I'm finally out. I think locally, I think it's PJ. PJ Washington was not met with a a whole lot of particular praise with that selection from Mitch Kupchak. Perhaps like Miles Bridges last season, a lot of people love Miles Bridges after maybe people thought that that was more of a boring selection. PJ Washington was viewed as redundant. I view it as redundant. P.J. Washington locally, I think, has the best chance to change the view of him. I think it's Malik Monk locally. You're going to start the season thinking of him as a Charlotte Hornet and end the season thinking of him as a member of some other team. A player whose career trajectory is most impacted this season, either good or bad, I'll keep this short, I think it's Terry Rozier. He's getting the opportunity that he's always wanted, starting big big minutes, big opportunity, lots of usage. We're either going to find out if Terry Rozier is a starting point guard in this league or he's not. 
rookies who will have an impact and how much. I think, I don't know if this is much of a bold take, but they've talked a lot about Greensboro and utilizing that a little bit more. And PJ Washington has been thrown out there as far as going down to Greensboro. I think he doesn't even play more than five games in Greensboro. I think PJ Washington stays with the team the entire time. And a lot of people made a big deal about nothing for PJ. So are the young players going to get a lot more time? James Brego says yes on the regular season roster. And I think that includes PJ spending basically the entire season up with the real franchise and we wrap things up with our best guess on how this season ends I think we can both answer this very quickly for me I don't think the Hornets will make the playoffs but I also don't think that they will be the worst team in the NBA I think they're like an Atlanta Hawks last season where they're not dead last but they certainly aren't better they get better defensively they get worse offensively and and they drop to about 26 25 range in the NBA I think they're a bottom three team I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if they were last, and I think they're a bottom three team. That's where I would go with. All right, that was rapid fire, season preview, Walker Mail, Doug Branson, giving to you hot and giving it to you in your face. We have a Patreon page where we can continue to give stuff in your face. You can support our podcasting efforts and get more Hornets content, patreon.com slash LOH. For just a buck, you can keep our hive alive. We'll be back in just a moment and talk a little bit about what leading a young team is like. James Borrego had some thoughts and comments. This is Locked on Hornets. And would, you, would, would I have liked to see a few more shards? Sh- shards? No, I would not have. <laughs> That's not a shard. That's not a shard. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I think wor- I changed my answer. I think worst case scenario is seeing a lot more shards out there on the court this year think that's the worst case scenario uh, anywhere you are in public that's always the worst case scenario Sharts. <laughs> support the people who support our show like indochino indochino is the world's largest made to measure menswear brand start your style upgrade now with 30 dollars off your total purchase of 399 dollars or more at indochino.com when entering locked on at checkout again that's locked on all one word l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n at checkout so we just did the season preview we did it fast I like the way that kind of flowed. Uh, We also have some more, I guess, sound from uh, NBA, uh, from Hornets Media Day, the Hornets Media Day that is inferior to ACC Media Day, both basketball and football. James Brago mentioned who might be the leader of this team. He doesn't really know quite yet uh, outside of a Marvin Williams as well as a Nick Batum, but the young guys have an opportunity. Here's James Brago on the way that maybe some of these young guys could develop and show some leadership. You know, we, we've got to have leaders step up. I'm going to have to manufacture it a little bit myself to start. And I think it's going to be interesting when you have a player of Kemba's magnitude leave a locker room, you know, let's see who steps up both on the floor and off the floor. Those guys in there should be salivating right now at this opportunity that's in front of them, both on the floor and off the floor. Yeah, to me, this is one of the biggest storylines of this Charlotte Hornets season. Uh, can th- t- I've already said this, like JB has started the clock on his era of Charlotte Hornets basketball. Season one, he got kind of a freebie because it was a weird transition season, didn't know what was going to happen with Kimba Walker. It was his first gig as an NBA head coach. But now he's putting his stamp on this team, and and can he manufacture that leadership until – Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, Dwayne Bacon, whoever steps up and becomes the vocal leader of this team does so. Can he do it? Man, one of the stories, I think one of the storylines that at least isn't being talked about right now is James Borrego as a head coach. 
because all of it is solely based on the players and developing. And I think we are talking about James Borrego developing these guys and we'll blame him if they don't. But also I'm interested to see what the ratio of Michael Jordan not caring about winning and only hoping the talent develops as well as not caring about, you know, can James Borrego keep his job essentially, even if the players look like they're getting better, but the wins aren't coming at the rate that Michael Jordan would like them to, because that's the reason that Steve Clifford kept his job for so long. Michael Jordan respected Steve Clifford. And I think we all thought that he was a pretty good head coach. I'm sure there's a lot of people that disagree, but Michael Jordan thought that Steve Clifford was a good enough head coach to keep his job for a long time. And it was one of those things where they were at least in contention for a playoff spot. The Hornets are not going to be in contention for a playoff spot. If, if they finish bottom three this year, and then even coming in next year, they're still a bottom five team, even if they're showing some development, kind of like the Atlanta Hawks. Like we, we've seen them, seen them develop. People like the Atlanta Hawks, but you know, if they don't make the playoffs this year, the Eastern Conference, nobody's going to be surprised. Is Michael Jordan going to be okay with that? Or is it going to be a Phoenix Suns situation where you go into that job just to get fired the next year? Yeah, I, I'm interested to see how Michael Jordan handles a rebuild himself. Yeah, how patient is this team going to be with the rebuild or are they going to look to try to win again next season when some money opens up on the books and they can pursue some free agents? I think that's going to play a factor into things. And then I think, you know, this season, the judgment of JB is going to be a little bit subjective. Can can James Borrego get these players to play better defensively? I think that's going to be a huge barometer on his ability to shift uh, the mindset of some of these young players. We saw this sort of go down uh, in a bad way in Phoenix when uh, Igor Kokosov, I think I said his name. I think Kokoskov. Kokoskov, yeah, I butchered that, sorry. Uh, he could clue. Uh, you know, after he left, there were all these reports about players saying basically he was a pushover. Like you couldn't get... You know, he he it was kind of seen a, a little bit as a player's coach, but there were some communication issues, and essentially he could not get the players to do what he wanted them to do, and he was gone after one season. So could that be the case with JB, or is he able to, as he said, manufacture leadership? Oh, oh, I forgot, uh, Walker. I do have one more clip here on uh, JB's leadership. Do you want to hear it? I would love to hear it. There's four pillars for us this season, plain and simple. <laughs> Compete, number one. Number two is Changed player development. Mind. And third is our identity. Fourth, I'd say our habits, winning habits. We're going to play. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that. I really thought you were going to play the entire thing. I don't need to hear the other three pillars. Wish everyone could see Walker's face. He was so disappointed. He was just looked like a disappointed pod dad when I played uh, that. His whole body, <laughs> his whole body like shrunk in dissatisfaction. He's just under the weight of all of those uh, beatitudes that JB was espousing. Speaking of James Borrego <laughs> and Steve Clifford, both of these guys, way different, I think, as far as their personality goes. I think they're similar in the fact that they're very open with the media. I think Charlotte's been very lucky in that regard, where uh, the Hornets in particular, I mean, Steve Clifford would tell you exactly what he thought. And I think Borrego tells you what he thinks. I don't think he's as open as what Steve Clifford was, but certainly not to the point where we complain about him not being candid enough with the media. I think he does give you insight into what he's thinking and what he expects from his team, what he wants from his team. Here's Marvin Williams on the differences between JB's and Clifford's leadership style. Well, they're, they're both really different in their own way, but they're kind of the same. You know, they're, they're both extremely competitive. Uh, they both want to win. Uh, both great people. Uh, I think they 
kind of go about it maybe a little bit differently. I think Cliff is super intense all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he's really intense. Uh, and JV's a little more, uh, he likes to play and laugh and joke around a little more. But they still want the same thing. You know, they still want, the, they still want to win. It's all That's fine and good, Walker. I mean, I like players, coaches. You know, they they can relate to players. JB's a little younger than Steve Clifford is. Can he communicate with them in a different way? But if you can't get if you can't get Dwayne Bacon playing great one on one defense, if Miles Bridges has no idea where he's supposed to be on defense, then none of that matters. Yeah, I think James Borrego has demonstrated a nice balance in between. Thibodeau and a Kokoskov, right? I, I think James Borrego flashed his power a little bit at the luncheon and in media day. I mean, he talked about saying, I control minutes and players want minutes because players want contracts. And if you don't play defense, you don't get minutes and then you don't get a contract. And I thought that was interesting of him to say. I mean, that is absolutely taking control of the situation and showing that, hey, I'm the captain now. And so what I say it goes, and if you want your money, then play defense on that side. And I think James Borrego, by joking around a little bit with the players, kind of having that easygoing attitude a little bit more than Steve Clifford, I think that you have a nice balance where Steve Clifford probably was a little more towards the Tibbs side. I think James Borrego may be leaning a little bit more towards the Kokoskov side, but I think it's a pretty nice balance where he hasn't completely been void of showing power. And speaking of Thibodeau, real quickly before we take a break, I know we've kind of gone a little bit long here, but last week Andrew Wiggins was on a local Minnesota radio show, Mackie and Judd, with Ramey. He had a subtweet assessment of former coach Tom Thibodeau's leadership, of whom Clifford is a protege, like I said. I feel, he said, quote, I feel like I was on the rise my first three years, and then some changes were made. Here's mm, Andrew Wiggins' changes. entire soundbite. Uh, Andrew, what type, what type of a coach is Ryan Saunders, and how do you react best to coaching? He's a, he's a, he's a players coach, and yeah, I feel like he gets us. He understands us, and he tries to put us in the environment that we're most comfortable in. What kind of stuff do I react to as a coach? Um, I would say just talking, being real. You know, all that yelling and stuff is not, I feel like it's not really going to change my mood, but when a coach comes at me and, be, and is real and tells me the real, and I feel like I respect that. Yeah, I just wonder if like the super intense hardline coach in the style of Thibodeau and Clifford and and others is just going out of style like the traditional post center. Are we seeing the end of that era? Are we seeing more players coaches? And you know, you talk about great examples of this. I mean, Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr is somebody who can relate to players on a personal level and get the most out of them on the floor as well. You know, you hope JB is gravitating towards that. I hope people don't hear that soundbite and think that Andrew Wiggins is weak. I would think people would hear that and think, you know, Andrew Wiggins, you've been awful this entire season. Yeah, I would yell at you too. I would go just as hard as Tom Thibodeau did on you as well. And I, I hope people don't hear that because I think that's kind of, I think that would be a lot of people's opinions. But I respect Andrew Wiggins for saying that. I mean, well, it's no secret that Thibodeau's style wears on people. There's a reason that he eventually found his way out of Chicago. You can only take that so often. I mean, it's the Thibodeau that you bring in to help get the young guys in shape, you know, whip them in shape and make sure that they know how to be an NBA veteran and a pro. And then eventually the veterans are like, all right, you know, get off my ass. I don't want to run anymore. <laughs> and so I, I hope that Andrew Wiggins coming out and saying, yeah, I don't like being yelled at, man. I don't, I don't want to be yelled at, you know I mean? I there's, there's times where look, I, I liked some of that. I mean, look at, at a very lower level playing high school basketball. I liked some of that, but 
I didn't want to be just yelled at the entire time. And Andrew Wiggins coming out with exactly how he feels. I'm glad he let us into what he thinks. Well, different players need to be communicated with differently. I mean, it's clear Wiggins does not respond to being yelled at. And and I don't know the person I don't know the like I'm not at practice with the Hornets, so I don't know the the different personalities of these players, like what they need. I will tell you that I think Clifford more even more so than Tom Thibodeau had a had a good view of how to communicate with players. Like he didn't just go into the locker room and yell at guys, you know, individually. He he would bring them information and say, Look, here's the here are the numbers. If you, if you, I can show you, I can give you evidence. If you do X, then this will happen. And, you know, you saw Kimbo respond to that. I mean, Clifford went to him one-on-one said, look, you could be an all NBA player if you improve your shooting and, and your outside shooting. And, you know, that was part of the push that Kimba needed uh, to make his acceleration. So, uh, you know, but, but over the long term, you know, Clifford's intense style that, that Marvin was speaking to there does wear on people. JB's going about it a little bit differently and we'll see if it works out. All right, Kevin Durant explains why free agents won't join the New York Knicks. We talk about that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. But what he showed in Summer League, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a radar, excuse <laughs> radar. Me, of all NBA. Yeah, on the radar. On the radar <laughs> of all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, you're Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from come from uh, Catawba County. Get so, them on the Raider. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Two predictions about the NBA season, Doug. What are a couple of the predictions that you have at the top of the dome? Uh, can I make one about the Hornets? Can I stick with the Hornets on this one? I don't know. The segment says NBA stuff. If you want to break the rules, I guess you Two can. Two predictions about this. Well, this is this is going to go on a locked on NBA thing as well. And I think it I think it meant the spirit of it was two predictions about the Hornets season. All right. Well, I got to change mine, but go ahead. All right. Well, I'll give you time. I'll 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 buy some time for you. My prediction is going to be about Malik Monk. I don't think he finishes the season in a Hornets jersey. I don't see the player development happening for him. Uh, you know, we've we've gone over the stats many times. This was a, a player that was supposed to be a microwave shooter, someone that was going to come in and give you instant offense, and it just hasn't happened. Past two seasons, field goal percentage has been sub 37%. His three-point percentage did improve last season, but he was just terribly, terribly inconsistent uh, from from outside, and his defense has not improved significantly enough. Uh, to keep to to justify keeping him on the floor, and now uh, he's he's missing preseason games due to an injury. It, it just doesn't look good for Malik Monk's future in a Charlotte Hornets uniform, in my opinion. Do you have another one, or do I go now? You go now. Okay, I think that I, I said this earlier, but I'll even just just for the sake of being bold, I'll go I'll go even bolder with that prediction. I don't think PJ Washington misses an NBA regular season game because he's down in Greensboro. For instance, if there is, yeah, take that one to the bank. I think that PJ Washington, if he does go down to Greensboro, it's because there is a somewhat long break where Borrego just wants him to get minutes. I don't think he misses one regular season game because he's down in Greensboro. How about that? I love that like prediction. I mean, it certainly makes sense after that first preseason game where he was just fantastic offensively. Defensively, he's got some things to work out, by the way. He wasn't perfect in that first preseason game. We didn't really get to break down the negative because we were so we were so enthralled by the positive. But the Hornets have another preseason game coming up against the Miami Heat 
in Charlotte. So uh, fans will get their first look at P.J. Washington tomorrow. You have another prediction, right? Are we going bo- Are we going I think two? it was just or? two total. I, I'm oh, okay. sorry. I didn't do a great okay. job of explaining this to you in the break. <laughs> My fault. That's, that's on me. I, I want to explain to the listeners what I'm reading on the rundown. Mm-hmm. Uh, big category, NBA stuff. <laughs> What's which it says stuff. Well, it's just I was dumping I just, some NBA stuff in there because we we you know we need a couple more preseason games before we have a lot to talk about with the Hornets. No, I, I'm sorry. I don't know why I didn't think NBA stuff wasn't crystal clear. Wasn't that Two a show? Wasn't NBA stuff a show? Wasn't that Ahmad Rashad? Inside stuff. Oh, it was inside NBA stuff. NBA inside stuff. And it was awesome. NBA inside stuff was great. Was fantastic. That was, man, that was not on air too much longer after I got out of my single digits I think like I mean I was probably 10 or so when that was finally off I might have been even sooner when it was off but I did like to watch that I believe like what Saturday or Sunday mornings something like that it was fantastic so yeah the other thing you write down is two predictions about the season and then <laughs> I will likely take all of these and edit them into one show for opening night okay, that was not I don't even know what right, you're editing it's that that was not me that was the edict from on high see we have to do sometimes we have to do stuff okay from the, the big guys upstairs, the Locked On Podcast Network, they have us do these things for Locked On NBA. I don't even think they use them because they, you know, we're so we're so all over the place. This being a prime example of why they wouldn't N- wouldn't use ours. NBA stuff. Two predictions about the season. Accurate. And somebody was, will edit them. That was accurate. I will edit them. I always edit them. <laughs> I edit. I edit heavily on this show. <laughs> yes, you do. Mainly Kevin to make Durant. myself look smart. <laughs> and to make you seem silly. Kevin That's Durant the power that I have over this show. Are you done now? There's four pillars for us this season, plain and simple. Compete, number one. Number two is player development. And third is our identity. Fourth, I'd say our habits, winning habits. I mean, point to me, point out one uh, thing in there that's not a fact. Can I talk about Kevin Durant yet? Go for it. Kevin Durant explains why free agents won't join the Knicks. He says, quote, fans expect players to join the Knicks because of their brand, but players have grown up watching the Knicks suck and they aren't cool anymore. (laughs) I I mean, is there any Hornets angle that you can take with this? Are players or people going to watch the Hornets suck for a long time? Or are you worried that the players or people are going to watch the Hornets suck for a long time and therefore not want to play for the franchise? Uh, well, I think Hornets fans can relate to the Knicks in some way because this really already happened to the Hornets. The Hornets used to be the, the cool thing. Everyone wore the starter jackets. You had we big time... Cool. Right, you had big-time players play here, not necessarily in free agency, but via trade, but you had big names playing basketball night in, night out for the Charlotte Hornets, and that era went away when they moved to New Orleans. Uh, so I think, you know, you can you can relate with Knicks fans. But th- at the same time, you know, the Hornets were never as big as the as the, right. the in terms of brand you know i know they were filling the building every night but not in terms of brand they were never as big as the knicks but i love that kevin durant just coming out and saying what everybody kind of already knows which is the knicks have sucked for a long time they've been bad for a long that's another angle that you can take walker is that this is a to me is the case for not tanking for a long period of time now the knicks have not necessarily tanked. I mean, they've just they just bungled their organization. It hasn't been a an intentional tank for all of these years. But if you're bad for long enough, you am I boring you? Mm-hmm. Just dropping a yawn there. <laughs> but at least you did it away from the mic. 
At least you, you don't. At least you, you don't like it when I yawn. At man. least you I gave me the courtesy. Yo, what? Are you like working a lot? You just come from ACC Media Day or something? You tired? <laughs> you eat a little too much barbecue? I'm sorry. Play the four. Play the four pillars. There's four pillars for us this season. Plain and simple. Compete number one. <laughs> number two is player development. Then third is our identity. Fourth, I'd say our habits. Winning habits. Five is go get another cup of iced coffee. <laughs> I'm, I'm spitting, listen, I'm spitting hot fire here into the microphone, <laughs> and you are just disrespecting me today. The New York Knicks were at least in a in a prime uh, addition to, or a, a position, I should say, addition. I don't know why I went they were that way. I'm tired, I guess. Uh, a prime position to get free agents in the first place. Charlotte, right? Like, we've talked about them. They're never going to get free agents and not the big names anyway you know Alonzo Mourning was drafted Larry Johnson was drafted I mean we've gone through this a million times on this show so the New York Knicks they actually if they're good that's a big enough market to attract the big time free agents you know the biggest free agent that the Hornets got were when they were the Bobcats and they got Al Jefferson at least in recent memory you know everybody else has been traded right we've gone through this before Glenn Rice Eddie Jones all of those guys they were traded here or they were drafted Al Jefferson's got to be the biggest free agent acquisition, right? Can't imagine another one. Gordon Hayward could have been, but Utah matched that offer. So those are the only guys. It's like New York, New York can get the free agents. Charlotte just hasn't been able to. And so it's a little bit different. I don't know if there's too much of a Hornets angle that you can take. You are right, though, in the fact that the Hornets used to be a cool franchise. Everybody had the starter jacket and... I don't know if they're the cool franchise anymore. All right, I'm tired. I got to go to take a nap. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets. Always appreciate you joining us. We'll talk to you tomorrow. There's four pillars. 